Yo, what's good with you? We are back for another episode, and I am Nia Queen, and I have Chef Beans over here. Chef Beans, me amo frijoles on the east side. And he is looking very dapper, very mm-hmm. professional with these professional-looking glasses on. Yes. These um, are not just for fashion. <laughs> these are prescription. Listen, <laughs> you know okay? <laughs> this left eye get a little tricky. You know me weighed on the water a little bit sometimes, but now happy got my... My binoculars to help me not squint my eyes as much. Yes, that's great. And, and that lovely voice you hear is our guest for today, the founder of Womb to Worthy, Ronette Shadon. Yes, indeed. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy that you're here because, <laughs> see, I met her at Run Club. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she said Womb to Worthy, I was like, ooh, I wonder what that means. And then when you explained what it is, I was just like, I need to have her on my show. I need to have her on my show because a lot of black women deal with these. Well, let me not, let me not tell, let me, let you tell it. Yeah. What is womb to worthy? That's a bar in itself. Womb to worthy, right? Okay. So a little backstory. Womb to worthy was not always the name of my business. We were originally womb stories. Okay our womb stories. And it was just that. What are your stories? Most of our emotions are formed in the seat of our womb. You're constantly giving birth to something. You don't necessarily have to give birth to a child. You can give birth to a podcast. You can give birth to, you know, a passion project, whatever that is. Your emotions are stored in your womb. So we wanted people to express themselves because if you don't express yourselves, then whatever you are harboring, is stored in the womb as fibroids or cysts Mm. and things of that sort, right? So this was an outlet for women. Um, And the platform was amazing. However, being an entrepreneur and being excited to, you know, be of service, um, I was just like, let me just get something out there, right? Of course, as soon as you get an idea, what you're going to do? You're going to look in Google, right? And then you're going to go to um, trademark, see if anybody got it so you can use it. I did all of that, but I didn't trademark it right away. Somebody got me. Dang. Oh, Somebody so had to change got me. So I had to change. I was so distraught. But then, um, womb to worthy. I feel like it was all a part of the journey leading me to where I am now because I feel like womb to worthy is a much more impactful name and it embodies mm. with my, what my brand is about. You are worthy from the womb. However, from the womb to adulthood, somewhere along there, we start to feel as though we're not, right. you know, and we get buried up under the trauma um, and we start to devalue ourselves. So we take you back you know, to your beginning story. So to remind you that you are worthy and then to co-create a new narrative so that you can start to live as such. And that's how Womb to Worthy was formed. But now uh, this platform is dedicated to helping adult daughters specifically mm-hmm. grow their self-worth and reparent themselves through group coaching, workshops, and retreats. Um, even though the information is dedicated to women, right. it is for everybody. Everybody has a mother. Right. Okay. Amen. And we talk about daddy issues, but we don't really get into the mama trauma. Mm. So, yeah, I'm excited to dive into that Man. today. Man, before <laughs> we get into about to dive in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, y'all just singing all day. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. 
before we get into our main topic, I just wanted to check in with everybody because, you know, it's about checking in with ourselves. Indeed. Um, how are you this week, Chef Kings? What's going on? This week, I am just elated. I'm in this constant realm of just enjoyment. I love that. Because it's like every time I look in the mirror in my new apartment, it's like, yo, bro, you Ooh, I just got a <laughs> new apartment. <laughs> so we going to sing a lot of this. Yeah, y'all so. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I'm, 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 I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to have a business that's flourishing. Yeah. I'm grateful to have my project that's nationally on tour soon and be internationally. Come like, I'm now. just like... <sighs> I get a little emotional and overwhelmed. And this ain't going to be the first podcast that I cry. I promise. If it happens, it happens. But it's like, when you know you've worked so hard Mm -hmm. and people talk about faith and all this other stuff, it's Mm -hmm. one thing saying it, but it's another thing really standing on it. Like, yo, I've been in spaces when I've only had my thoughts, Mm -hmm. when I've only had my creativity, when I didn't know how certain things was going to be paid for, but I still kept showing up for myself. So to be in a season now where it's like, Bro, it's okay to, you know, like, knock that imposter syndrome away as if you don't yeah. deserve everything that you're in. Just embrace it. So, I'm sorry. I'm in a season of embrace and yeah. embracing all things that I've nowhere divinely put here before I've even physically been here. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's how I'm feeling. I love that. That's yes. dope. What about you? How are you Ooh, feeling? Um, veggie backing off of what you said, Chef Vings. Um I love that you said a word like embrace, right? For me, I would say I am allowing and surrendering. And the reason why is because I feel like I'm always so goal-oriented and action-oriented, and I love that about myself. Um, But I also understand, understand that, you know, things happen in divine timing, right? right? And uh, I'll be 34 next month. And if it was up to me based on my plan, uh, you know, 25, I was supposed to have kids. I was supposed Mm. to have a house. I was supposed Mm. to, you know, be married and all of these things. And then it went from that. Okay, well, then not 25, maybe 30. Anyway, Not to say that that can no longer be a part of my dream. However, it's going to happen in divine timing. So when it comes to my passion projects, when it comes to, I love that you all have a podcast and have invited me on. That's also something um, that I'm going to roll out very soon as well. Um, But when it comes to all of these things that I'm working on, I am doing my best to enjoy the journey um, and the process of it all, right. and the difficult parts as well. Mm. That's mainly yeah. what I'm talking about. Not just like, oh, I did that and I accomplished that, but dang, that was challenging, and I did the work to get to the other side of it. But before I get to the other side, that com- that uncomfortableness, that's where the growth takes place, and learning to really talk myself through that um, and enjoy it. So I am allowing and surrendering as I'm enjoying the process. Wow. Well, that's great. And Thank you. for me, Chef Beans, see, I, I, I want y'all to know, like, I really appreciate Chef Beans because oh, he doesn't have to do this, but he always shows up for me. Whenever I need him, I'm like, Beans, can you do this? This he do he'd be like, Yeah, I got you, yeah, I got you, yeah. I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna help you out. Um, but a lot of the times the things that you say really resonate with me, and you were talking about seeing snails. Right. Mm. This week. Right. Right. And I was thinking even more about it. I was like, why are there so many snails out? And it's it's been raining. Mm -hmm. It's been 
a, a time of cleansing. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like I am right now. I like that. I feel like I'm going through a cleanse right now mm-hmm. internally because the way that I was last year, I just didn't like a lot of things about that. Right. And right now, you know, I started off the year, I got sick, but it allowed me to reflect. Yeah. And it, it, it also felt like I was cleansed. Like I had to get that sickness out of my body yeah. and, and cleanse myself in order to, you know, start a new leaf. Yeah. So I feel really, um, I, I do feel like it's taking time, but I do feel it's like it's the beginning of just that cleansing feeling that. Like, right. and becoming a new, you know, person, Absolutely. I should say. So, uh, yeah, thank you for your words. Because no you, you don't know, but I really be paying attention. Like, thank I you. really be t- paying attention. Your words really resonate with me. Um, so let's get into this episode because I saw some things. Mm-hmm. And it goes along with the topic of parents. It goes along with the topic of of motherhood and and children. Um, Did you guys hear about the six-year-old boy that shot his teacher in Virginia? I didn't dive into it. I think it came across my timeline, but I didn't Mm. read the article. His teacher. Yeah, six-year-old in a first-grade classroom. This was recent? This was recent. Um, I want to say maybe like a week ago. Six. Six years old. My goodness. Six years old. And it's in uh, Newport News, Virginia. And that's kind of near where I went to college in Hampton, Virginia. So mm-hmm. it was just like, dang, like, I know people that live out there that go to school out there. So it was kind of like jarring to hear. Mm-hmm. But apparently um, the little boy got into an argument with the teacher and ended up shooting the teacher in the arm. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. Mm. But but I really wanted to ask you all, mm-hmm. who is to blame in that situation? Is it the parents? Is it the school? Is it the administration? Who is to blame in that scenario? I, I can go. I can go first. Um, when it comes to, I think a situation like that. In no way am I saying that it's not okay for households to not protect themselves. You feel me? Um, but that has to circle back to the household. And I say that because when you have a little child in the house, like if it comes to like firearms and things like that, there's like suitcases, there's locks, there's things where you can literally keep them like out of sight, Mm -hmm. but it had to have been exposed in some capacity for the child to be able to get it, retrieve it, put it in their book bag Mm -hmm. and like a processing. So I will not even necessarily say blame because, again, none of us was actually there or how it happened. It could have right. been somebody passing through the house. It fell out their pocket. It could, mm-hmm. They could have picked it up off the street. We don't know what happened. I think it's just extremely troubling because even if you try to put it on the school, I think it's very animalistic sometimes when all these schools have, like, the um, detectors and different things like that. And I've seen them in high school. I haven't seen them in, like, elementary schools or, like, pre-K. So it's just... Yeah. You can look at it from a lot of different angles. I think it's just unfortunate more than anything. I don't know yeah. who I would technically try to hold responsible, but it's just troubling. What do you think? Yeah. Um, wow. First of all, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And my heart goes out to everyone affected by that. Um, again, we really don't know. I, I thought you were talking about a different story with a shooting involving a child. 
I do recall seeing this on my timeline, but I really don't know the the details of it. Nonetheless, um, I think we all need help with conflict resolution. Mm. And regardless of how the child got the gun, um, there needs to be safety measures uh, for weapons not to be so accessible to children. Um, And then... You know, from zero to seven years old, those are those are the formative years mm-hmm. of a child. So they're soaking up everything around them. So to me, a six-year-old knowing not only what a gun is, but how to use it, you must have been an observance of it. Whether right. It was a video game, right? Because they're... they're uh, heavily attached to the video games and it's full of shooting and violence, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, your family is one who is about, you know, protecting yourself and that's a part of it, uh, firearms. But whatever the case may be, you use the firearm, I'm assuming because he was upset with yeah, the teacher, he used, yeah, right? Yeah, used it because he was upset. He was upset with the teacher. So let's just take the firearm away and talk about um, emotional regulation and how to express yourself, how to deal with anger, how to, you know, talk to an adult when there's some things you're feeling and you may not even know how to process it as a child. And like I said, children are sponges. So if the adult doesn't know how to process their emotions, if the adult automatically results to violence, then if the child gets upset, then that's what they think they're supposed to do. do. So I don't know who this child's guardian is, but there's a lesson there that children don't really listen to what you say. They listen to what you do and mimic that. Right. Right. Yeah. That that was exactly what I was going to say. Like, even if it's not the parent, there's somebody around this child that is showing them that this is how you deal with your anger. Mm -hmm. Right. When people don't listen to you or when people are not complying with what you want them to do, this is how you handle it. Mm -hmm. And that's the bigger issue. Because regardless of if the firearm was there or not, Mm -hmm. that child does not know how to regulate their emotions, their anger. And also another reason why I created my cards, Kings and Queens Emotion Cards, because it starts there. Those are the formative years. Absolutely. Yes, we have all these emotions, but how do you deal with it? And sometimes the parents don't have the tools to know how to deal with it. So sometimes you have to seek things outside of yourself in order to learn that. But I would, I would say, I'm, I don't know. I I feel like I'm kind of biased because I'm, I work with kids as a therapist. I always like think the parents. (laughs) Like I I always think the parents because like he's six. He's not. His brain is not developed enough to understand, like, maybe the consequences or mm-hmm. what the repercussions or how serious this actually is. It's like it's up to the parents to guide and show them, you know, this is the consequences Correct. of that. This is how you handle this and this is how you handle that. So I'm always going to go to the parents. I mean, it might not be the parents' fault because I don't know the full situation. I wasn't there. Um, but it was just troubling to see that because yeah. it's just like, Kids are exposed to a lot of things that we weren't exposed to as kids yeah. because of the internet, because of the accessibility to everything. Right. Right. So, um, you know, I worry for these kids and, you know, I try to do my part by helping them <laughs> every single day at work. But um, parents really be careful with what you're 
pouring into your child. Mm-hmm. Right. Really yeah. be careful with what you're pouring into your child. Like, Make creating these TikToks with the songs that y'all using and, and like all of that. All of that is influence. All of that does something to the children. And again, I'm not a parent, but I mean, I know influence. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know like they didn't just come up with that out of nowhere. Like right. why is that they six year old twerking? Yeah. Why is that six-year-old twerking? Why is that six-year-old twerking? Come on. Or cussing reviews on TikTok. Like, it's just, oh, man. I'm kind of, you know. Ghetto. I'm kind of afraid to have kids, you know, because I always worry about, am I going to fuck my kid up? The way that these parents be fucking their kids up. You know, like, you have to really be careful because I see it every day in my work. And how the decisions that you make as a mother affect your child up until adulthood. Very much so. And uh, it's scary, but, you know, I still do want to have kids, but I think that I'm just going to hold off a bit, a little bit, you know, just work on myself and healing myself before I, you know, decide to bring a child into this world. And um, I respect that. Yeah, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about motherhood. We're talking about wounds to worthy. We're talking about the wounds that we have from our parents and yeah. how that affects us and also how to heal from those wounds. Indeed. Um, I wanted you to share a little bit about your story because I watched your TED Talk. <laughs> and I wanted you to share a little bit about your story and your relationship with your mother and how that inspired you to start your organization. Absolutely. Uh, so love my mom. My mom is. I'm sorry. Are you from uh California? I am. Okay. I am. And you know what? I can't really say I'm from one place. I moved around so much, and I had so many surrogate mothers and guardians just because mm. of the nomadic lifestyle I got a chance to live growing up as a child. Um, but my family is from Compton. Okay. Uh, both sides, my maternal and paternal uh, roots are in Compton. Um, however, my mother, I learned so much about her the more I learned about myself. And I have so much compassion for her um, that is now taking the place of resentment. Where mm. resentment used to live. Mm. Yeah. So my mother had me at 16 years old. Um, and she was a whole human being before she had me. However, she had a a lot of abuse and trauma that she faced. Mm. Um, Her story is not my story to tell, so I won't go into intimate detail. However, um, she faced a lot of abuse from the age of four on up until she ran away to be with my father, and that was at 13 years old. And my father uh, was 18. Okay. Okay. So bit of an age gap. Both of them very young, but both of them coming from um, traumatic situations mm-hmm. where uh, they were parentified. And if you're not familiar with that term, a parentified child is normally a child who has to take on um, adult responsibilities before their brain is fully developed, mm. whether that is emotional 
helping your your parent to emotionally regulate themselves, whether that is physically being there for a parent, if they have an ailment of some sort, um, it could be, you know, helping out with chores around the house and co-parenting, you know, because the mother or father may be a single parent, whatever that is, um, you have to grow up really fast. And my parents were in those type of situations. So when they ran off together, um, I do believe it was uh, due to a trauma bond, but also a genuine love for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was birthed through that process. But having to grow up with my parents, mm. right, because they were both so young, um, I always saw them as adults. Right. I always saw them as grown. And it wasn't until, you know, I got to an age where I was like, damn, so... At my big age, I'm 33. Uh, when I, my mom was 33, I was like 18. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. goddamn, I, I couldn't even imagine right. taking care of an 18 year old. An 18 year old, I'm doing my very best, okay, to take care of myself. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, my story is basically that um, my mom really had a mentality of like, I'm surviving, Mm. okay? And before I let you attack me and hurt me like the people did in my childhood, I'm going to get you before you get me. It's me against the world. Mm. And sometime I was included in the world, Mm. you know? Sometime, um, you know, I was also manipulated in situations Um, And I'm not blaming my mother. I'm just giving you my story and my observation of our interaction with one another. Because now in hindsight, I realize that my mother wasn't raising me. It was her inner child raising me. Mm. Right? So now we're... You're going off right now, by the way. I'm just saying. So, So we have the same emotional capacity. So if I get an attitude with you, you're going to get an attitude with me instead of guiding me and mm. helping me to process my feelings. I feel like, damn, I can't stand her. And she feel like, little bitch, excuse my language. I don't know if I'm okay. cursing this yeah. podcast, yeah. but, you know, I'm going to just tell y'all how it is, you know. And that that was my upbringing. So because of that, um, I lived around. I, my grandmother raised me up until the day that she transitioned. My uh, grandmother transitioned when I was 11 years old. But a year before that, my mom, um, she struggled with substance abuse. Okay. All my life, she struggled with substance abuse. And understand, you know what I'm saying? When you have mental health issues or you deal with trauma, everybody has their vices or coping mechanisms. Hers just happened to be, uh, you know, alcohol. And prior to my grandmother's transition, my mother was under the influence. They had, her and her friends were going out. They had just rented a Mustang 5.0 something, super fast, had an accident, car caught on fire, um, flipped upside down, and it was a drop top. Mm. So it kind of like her face drug alongside of the concrete. So my mom just has had so much like trauma going from that accident. Then the next year, your mom transitioned. She was only like 28 at the time. And my grandmother was my primary caretaker. So now your mom helping you raise your kids now is fully on you. Mm -hmm. And you 28 with two kids. That's a lot. 
So anyway, um, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. And as a child, all I saw was that, dang, when I go over Stephanie's house, you know, they are structured and her mom makes her do her homework at 7 o'clock and, you know, her mom goes to the parent-teacher conference meetings. Like, it's, it's a different world over here. So not to say that, you know, my mom, her way of structure was... Yelling, my mom really didn't have to lift a finger. I was scared of that voice. There was a lot of power in it, right? Mm-hmm. Sit your word, or she, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. She had to do all that, and yeah. you know, so it was some structure. But I literally learned how to like do my chores and do my homework from observing the my friends around me and going to their household mm. and seeing where we lacked in structure. Um, I can go on and on, but what I want y'all to to hear from my story more than anything is that um, my mom was very young, and she decided to have me, and I'm here for a reason, and Mm -hmm. I know that. She could have had an abortion. She could have had a miscarriage. You know, so many things could have happened, but I came here, and I think now I came here... uh, to show my mom the love that she lacked. I feel like her entire life she had a love deficit. And now I'm here to show her pure love. And I first thought it was by loving her and taking care of her and putting her before me. Now, as an adult, I'm sure we're going to get into that at some time in the podcast. Now it's me upholding boundaries and loving myself and showing her how to do that through example. And baby, when I tell you it's been a journey, mm. it has been a journey. But um, I'm excited. I don't know how, how if you have other questions or whatnot, um, but the mother wound is unresolved trauma passed down from mother to child. Mm-hmm. That can mean that you're enmeshed with your mother. Maybe you have a really good relationship with your mother, but as an adult, it's like, damn, I can't make a decision without consulting her first. Mm. Even when it comes to my love life, like she's right. heavily involved with right. me and my man. <laughs> or it could be that, you know, your mother was never there for you or wasn't there for you in the ways that you needed her to. And now you have to figure out how to have a, rel- a relationship with her and love her even though you feel like you're at a love deficit. So, so many things come up. Yeah. What my question for you was going to be, how does those things that you experience manifest as a young lady? Meaning like, how can you tell that you've been a product of, uh, I don't even want to say toxic mother, but maybe a mother that's not emotionally mature. Okay. Like, what does that look like? Because, um, for me, I feel like with me and my mother's relationship, we don't really have an emotional connection, really. Right. And um, I realized that it's because growing up, she wasn't really, like, affectionate. It was more of, you know, comply, comply, comply. Change your hair. Change this. No, I don't like that. Oh, no, you should change your hair. Your hair looks dry. Like, I don't like it when you do this. I don't like it when you do that. It was, like, more so she wanted me to be like her rather than embracing me, who you are, who I am, right? So when I 
when I got, <laughs> when I moved back after college, me and my mom like went at it a lot, yeah. argued a lot. Cause I just felt like, like, you're not about to change me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not you. Yeah. So every time she had a little comment to say, you know, I bark back, I bark back. And my dad's like, man, your mom is just that way. I'm like, I don't care. I don't want her to be that way. Yeah. She's not going to talk to me like this because I felt like my whole childhood, I just complied, complied, complied mm-hmm. and did whatever she said. Mm-hmm. But I realized as an adult, it made me self-critical. Mm-hmm. It made me a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. It made me not even want to embrace my natural beauty because I thought, oh, well, wearing your natural hair is ugly because my mom always said that growing up. She always made sure my hair was pressed. She always made sure that I dressed a certain way. Um, or even the biggest thing for me was like my weight. Mm. My mom always calling me big chick or grabbing on my thighs and like, dang girl, you big, you big. Da, 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 da. And even like as an adult, it's like, I, I don't want you to comment on my weight every time you see me or mm-hmm. every time I'm wearing shorts. Like, those are the wounds that I saw within myself. But for you, I wanted you to share what, what did you see in yourself or what, what made you recognize like, oh, wow, this is coming from my mom. So I think that when it comes to generational cycles that we have to rewire, um, they, they transfer to each generation in a different way. For my mom... Um, She's always been very, like, vocal and boisterous. Um, and in her parenting style, if I, I was a very inquisitive child. I wanted to know why, okay? And if it didn't make sense to me, then I'm going to say, well, actually, this, 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 and that. And in a black household, you're getting smart and you need to chance, stay in a child's place. Right, If yeah. you don't automatically take in what your, your mother or father is saying as truth. So my mom would be very passionate in the way that she spoke to me that I would just shut down. I just wouldn't even say anything. Like, I can't get a word in. You won't even let me talk, so I'm not going to waste my breath. So I, right. I became compliant, and I would just be like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever you say, mm. right? And then that's how I started to live my life with other relationships. I didn't really give people an opportunity to know me. I was very much so... Um, I was very agreeable, mm. right? Uh, and it, I can agree and also disagree, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't voice my opinion. Like if Chef Beans would say something, oh, I understand where you're coming from. So basically what you're saying is X, Y, and Z. Right. And then Chef Beans feels understood, but Chef Beans doesn't know where my net stands. Mm. So I would narrow, narrate my way through life, and I would make it my business to to help other people feel understood in my presence because I felt like I never felt understood. And because I played the background so much and I didn't speak up and I didn't practice like voicing my opinion when I did come across a rare jewel who'd be like, <laughs> so how do you feel? I didn't know how to really formulate mm. or express or communicate myself uh, or communicate my words. So, um, I noticed myself going from being very mute and not speaking to then not knowing how to share share the floor of speaking too much to now doing my best to come into a room and give of myself in a way that balances the room 
um, and give people what they need. Not necessarily give people what they need, but give people the version of me that they can handle. It wasn't always that way. Mm. So uh, for the most part, I just wouldn't speak up. And you know when spirit is telling you to speak, you get a the feeling in your right. stomach or yeah. a lump in your throat. I, there was plenty of times I was like in church, let's say a Bible study growing up, and it was, you know, engagement. It was, it was a conversation. And I would want to say something, and I didn't. And then somebody would say something similar to what I was thinking, and then time will, or I wouldn't say anything, and then time will pass by, and now we're on another subject. So I'm like, fuck it, I just want right, to, right. you know, say nothing. And then I'll go home and I'll, I'll shred myself to pieces. Like, dang, you could have said this. And Ooh, now yeah. I'm replaying the story too. in my head over and over again, what I should have did, what I could have said. You know what I'm saying? And it just made me not trust myself more than anything. It made me not trust myself. You know what um, was interesting with the question that you asked and even like how you started to answer it, something just came up for me. Something that I don't think ever came up for me ever in my life. So this is really like breaking news. Yes. So the question that you asked was basically like, how did she know certain parts came from like the womb? And I realized because I also came from like teen parents. My mother had me when I believe she was 15 yeah. or 16. That was her second child. Yeah, yeah. So again, when it comes to like growing up with each other, all that similar situations, mainly raised by my grandma. But what came up for me I think looking at my parents and just looking at, like, my mother's luck with men, thinking about how I interacted with, like, women as I started to really, like, get into girls, I realized I tried to become the man that I felt like my mother needed. Come on, talk about it. Because of her lack of luck with men. And I don't know why that just kind of came up for me because I'm just... You know, as kids, we're very observant. Yes, we're watching, we though we're listening to music. I'm like, yo, why is R&B, 90s R&B my favorite style of music? Mm-hmm. Why do I like that so much? But I think it's a reflection of that watching parents go to parent-teacher conferences. Yeah. Watch, like, operating in a space of, like, this look like TV stuff. Like, yeah. why is this not my reality? How can I make this become my reality? How can I become the guy that my mother maybe never met? And it's just like, I think I just had a full circle moment right now because we operate and we tell ourselves once we become more and more independent thinkers, like this is my why and this is why I'm doing it. But once you really get to like the root of it, I think this was just like a rooted moment for me. Like most of my adult life and I guess early like adolescence was becoming what I felt like, not even just my mom, some of the women in my life weren't experiencing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not knocking it or anything, not saying things haven't like worked out for the better for me, but it's just like interesting the things that come up when you really, I guess, pick apart or deconstruct like how you have your genetic makeup or how mm-hmm. you operate in life the way that you do. And what where are the root of your triggers? Like why exactly is that a trigger? Absolutely. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Why do you do what you do? Get to the root of the issue, when was the first time you felt this feeling that you're feeling right now? Maybe it was when your teacher said that you were dumb or your cousin called you black and ugly or your mama yelled at you for painting on whatever that is. Mm -hmm. 
you formulated a belief that was embedded in your subconscious mind and now dictates the way that you act and move. And because you act and move based on fear, now you are orchestrating your life to bring that energy back into it. So even though it's not your cousin calling you ugly, now it's your girlfriend saying that, you know, you're not good enough. Or, you know, your friend saying like, dang, you too emotional. You're I'm bringing gonna give you that something energy. to cry for. I'm gonna get, exactly. Now yeah. that energy is showing back up in your life. I love what you said as far as like um, you wanted to show up for the women in a way that your mom didn't have men show up for her. Um, what's so interesting is that for me, I spent so much of my life trying not to be like my mom. Mm. Right? And I would hate, and I don't use that word often, I would hate when family members would be like, you act just like your mama. Don't say that. That was like the biggest insult you could ever say to me. Don't come at me like that. No, I don't act like my mom. I couldn't see it. But when I would go through like episodes of depression and anxiety, um, I realized that I learned to isolate by observing my mom. I realized that how I deal with my issues is based on how my mom deals with issues. Mm -hmm. For example, if we would have a disagreement, we just wouldn't talk. We're just not going to talk about it. Mm. Right? We don't talk about Bruno. We're not going to talk about it. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. Right? So she'll go in her room. I'll go in my room. Isolation not looking at it like that as a child and then breaking the ice because I don't know, I got some mail or we got to eat or something has to be communicated in the household. And then we just act like nothing ever happened again, but that's embedded in my brain and we never got past that. And I never addressed the fact or you never addressed the fact that you hurt me, Mm. you know? So now, right. So now I don't, I don't trust you to, I don't trust you to show up for me and I don't trust you with my emotions. So I'm not going to share them with you. So we're walking, we're living in the same house, but we don't know each other. Right. You don't know me and yeah. I don't know you. And we never talk, but we do all the surface stuff. We look cute. You know, we go to the family right. functions. Very all superficial that. It's stuff, very but nothing superficial. like below the surface. Nothing below the Beans, surface. you want to say something? I saw you go like this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like so many like gears are like twisting in my mind right now. Because when we think about where compassion exists now from where resentment may be, I think like I'm just really going through like my mind because me and my mother, we're working on our relationship. But again, we have teen parents, y'all growing up together. Correct. And a lot of times they're still trying to live their lives, yes. still trying to go out and do things while they still have kids. Yeah. And I think me saying becoming the guy that I feel like my mother probably never ran into I'm questioning if that also was partial, like, resentment in there, too. Like, I'm, am I a walking trigger of the things you felt as though you could never attract or get? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, thinking of it in, in, in like, that headspace. Like, what was really driving me to be this, like, polished guy, well-spoken, different things like that? Like, I understand, like, I've always wanted to be integrity-led. But I think a lot of times when you hear certain stories from the past or different things like that, it's me unpacking the, 
what was driving this might not have come from the most genuine place, maybe, mm. but it was a form of protection. It was a That's form exactly of like independence. Was. It was a form of like, let me show you how this is done and maybe... Like, I don't know. Like, that that's Maybe what I'm... you might choose the right man next time. Not, not even just that. It's just... So, I think sometimes when you grow up with teen parents, or at least in my situation, I feel like I've said this in the episode in the past, um, I mainly grew up at my grandmom's house. So, times when I would go over to my mother's house over the weekend, remember I did something, got, like, physically reprimanded. Nothing mm-hmm. too crazy. Yeah. But I remember it felt like it was from a stranger, though. Like, I know this is my mother. Like, I know I came out of the body, but it felt like from a stranger because of, like, that physical presence, like, that that nurture, that operating out of lack. Like, I'm seeing these things on TV. I'm seeing people relationship with their parents on TV and other households, the structure from coming home, doing homework, doing different things like that. Not saying I didn't have structure at my grandma's crib, right. but it was the... <sighs> I wonder what that feels like. And I think in that space or like operating in like that space of or in that realm of just curiosity, you start to really like that resentment. It doesn't look like resentment. It doesn't even feel like resentment. But when you, you don't unpack, even know you don't even know it's resentment. You like you, your, your feet just start moving in a certain way. And I think a lot of that of the accolades that I've accomplished, the root of it was the not even saying anybody told me I couldn't do anything, but maybe just like. Proving what society says might my outcome should be should be wrong. It's always like proving something wrong. And a lot of times when you say, don't compare me to my father, don't compare me to my mother, you don't know it's like your life is being dictated off of like resentment as opposed right. to you being isolated to who you truly are. Right. You just Come know on. what you don't want to be. Come on, exactly. nature versus nurture. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for me, like coming back from college and, you know, forming my own you know, identity. And I just remember being so angry at my mom. Yeah. Just angry. Like the resentment. Both of you guys said resentment. I didn't realize it was resentment at that time, but I was just angry. And I would even go to my therapist and I'm just like, she really not going to change. And I saw like the relationships with my friends and their mothers and how they're all close and they're basically friends now. And I'm like, damn, I'm never going to have that with my mom. I'm never going to have that. And I really used to like, Go at it with her because I'm like, I want you to change. I want you to, to be there for me emotionally. And it was like, I never, you know, I started to realize that I was never going to get that. And I really, I was really fighting. I had to have talks with my dad too. Cause I was just like, you know what? I'm not even going to talk to her. I'm not going to tell her. I don't, I don't feel emotionally safe with her. So I can't open up to her. She would always make little comments like, oh, well, you blocked me from Instagram and you did this and you don't tell me what's going on. And I, t- I had to tell her, I had to set, I had to set a boundary. Yeah. I had to tell her, you, when I express my feelings to you, you, you don't validate them. You just talk about yourself. Yeah. There's been times where I've expressed my emotions and my mom will say, oh, well, you shouldn't feel that way. What? Or I did the best that I could. Yeah, mm-hmm. like why are you why are you trying to turn this around on you? Like there'll there'll be a time where we could talk about you know your part, but this is me opening up to you, and you're telling me I shouldn't feel that way. You can't tell me how to feel. This is my experience, and I read something on your website about you have your story mm-hmm. and your mom has her story. Yes, ma'am. And both of us are right. Very much so. And I am just now, like, I'm talking about, like, this year, just now, 
coming to the realization that we both are right. Very much so. And one story doesn't invalidate the other. Mm -mm. Um, I wanted you, I wanted you to expound upon when you have people coming to your program yeah. and they, they're full of this anger, they're full of this resentment and, and trying to figure out, well, why won't my mom just change? What is it that they do in your course or in your program to help them, you know, cope with? Absolutely. So a few things. So much is coming up. I love this conversation. And I'm like, it's only an hour. We, we may need a part two. <laughs> but uh, so many parallels and similarities amongst the three of us. And one thing I want to say is that for those who have heard, you know, well, that's your mama. You only get one. You only right. get one. Okay, well, you know your mama. She did the best that she could with what she had. She was just only trying to survive. She, she was just trying to survive, right? It's true that our parents, mother or father, did the best that they could with what they had. And it's also true that their best wasn't sufficient enough for our development. Mm. Both of those things are true. Yeah. And I am, and it is not that we are uh, being defiant. It's not that we're being disrespectful in acknowledging the truth of that. What we are doing is presenting a teachable moment and an opportunity for growth. Because now in me vocalizing, hey, I didn't get what I need as a child. Here's an opportunity for you to step up as an adult and for us to have a relationship. No, I'm no longer a child, mm -hmm. right? And yes, you are my parent, but now this is an adult-to-adult -adult interaction. There has to be mutual respect. Mm. But what comes with that is if I want my mother to respect me, I have to respect her. And now I also have to see her ha as an individual, not a mom. Mm. Right? Mm. So that's the journey that I take the women through in my course is that once you separate the, your identity um, that you're connected to your mom, once you separate mom from human being, mm. Right. Yep. Then you can start to see the wholeness of her and start to see your similarities. And then the things that you don't like about your mom probably are within you. Mm. Right. You can pinpoint that within yourself and then start to fix it. And as you fix it, I promise you, the more you grow, the more your relationship with your mother is going to grow because you're no longer trying to change her. Now you have to reparent yourself. Mm, now yeah. you can't really hold her accountable for what she did in the past because that's said and done. Now you got to step into her shoes and see, hey, dang, my mama didn't have the luxury of self-care. My mom didn't have the education that I had. Or my mom had me very young, whereas I'm a whole adult on my own and I get to really learn who I am. And she didn't get that opportunity because right. she had to do that with somebody, you know, supple on her breast. Right, yeah. She didn't have the luxury of that. So I have uh, several programs, but the prerequisite to the Womb to Worthy program that taps into the mother womb where I package my experience, I package my education, I package everything that I like the intricate details from I'm sitting on the floor and I literally got to talk to myself in order to get up, like, you'll be so proud of yourself if you get up. I know it's hard right now, okay? I know 
you don't understand things that are happening right now, but you have to really, really see the future and act at whatever it is. I listen to Lisa Nichols. I listen to Brene Brown. I listen to Ayala Vanzan, all these different people who are like pillars in, in my field. Um, and I take some of their knowledge and apply it to my life. And I also cultivate that within my practice. But nonetheless, the prerequisite is ACA. Have you all heard of that? No, I haven't. Have you heard of ACA? ACA is ACA. Okay, <laughs> it's ACA. ACA is adult children of alcoholics or dysfunctional families. Mm. That is the prerequisite to my program. It is absolutely free. And the reason why I set it up that way, I have a, a monthly subscription. If you want to have access to anything as far as workshops, retreats, uh, group coaching, there's a monthly subscription. But if you don't have the funds, that is free. Every Saturday, you got a safe space to come to to unpack your trauma. Um, and we go through... 14 different, um, it's called laundry lists, and they're character defects. Whereas we may thought that, like you said, wait, this was not based on my own merit. This was based on resentment and trauma that right. I became this person. The laundry list displays all the things that we have in, uh, in common if you grew up in a dysfunctional household. You become a people pleaser. You may be afraid of authority figures. Right. You may stray away from conflict. You may have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility to others would mm. keep you from looking at your own mess, right? You may um, confuse pity with love, and it's not that you really pity that other person. You really pity yourself. Right. Mm. And you're like, oh, okay, dang, I'm going to help this person out because if I was in their shoes, I want somebody to help me out. Well, when you really should do, what you really should do is help yourself. Because now you'd have gave them they, your last dollar for a McFlurry, right? And now you don't have any food, right? So we put other people before ourselves, constantly putting ourselves last. We build these codependent relationships. Um, and we really start to look for our spouse to be our parent. Ooh. Right? Um, so it goes over all that mm -hmm. first so you can see yourself. And so you can say, hey, this is me. And I do need this program, and I'm willing to put in the work. Then we go through the solutions. Um, and the solutions is to become your own loving parent, right? right. Yeah. Now you have to coach yourself. Now you have to encourage yourself to do the things that you don't want to do. When you were a child, you didn't want to get out of bed and go to school. But your grandma, your guardian, whoever that was, hey, goo, get up. It's time to go to bed, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be your own cheerleader. You have to be your own right your right. own guardian, um, and we go through steps on how to do that. There are 12 steps, right? Mm -hmm. And those steps include doing family inventory, seeing, uh, like, your family tree, and understanding how your family tree molded you into who you are. So grandma may have been the uh, people pleaser, always putting herself last. Mm. She cook everybody food, serve everybody plate. By the time she, you know, gets to her place, she's so exhausted, she don't she even want to eat. Yeah. Right? That's Man. grandma. Right? And then we got auntie who is the workaholic. Right? She's the workaholic. She's fancy. She bury all her issues through productivity. 
Right. Right. Um, then you got the uncle. The uncle may be the abuser because he was abused. Mm. And, right. So you see, yeah. all you start to break all of that down, and in observation of all of that, you start to develop you as the main character in your story. Well, I see all this is happening around me, and I don't want to be like anybody around me. So it's not that I didn't have role models. I do have role models, but they have taught me what not to be. Right. right. So now I'm going to do the opposite of all of that. Right. Right. And in doing the opposite of all of that, we do become um, beautiful people who run podcasts and want (laughs) to give all the information. But we still find ourselves going through trauma. We still find ourselves operating in dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So then we go into the cognitive behavioral therapy that I mentioned earlier. And that is literally writing down every story that you can remember that has pierced your soul. Every single story. You Mm -hmm. know what they are. Some of them you've never voiced to other people, Mm -hmm. right? We write all of that down. And then there's a chart that helps you, like, process your emotions. How does that show up in your body, right? Do you get heart palpitations? Do you grind your teeth? Being mindful. Being mindful. This is what I go over all the time with the teenage girls that I work with. And it's just a beautiful thing to me that I get to, to get to them before they become yes. my age. Yes. Because the, the, the part that I like about what you said is that your mom is an individual. Yes, she is. a human being right. who had a whole entire life Prior before you was me. even here. Before yes, you was ma'am. even a thought. Your mom had a whole entire life. And those decisions that she made as a mother have nothing to do with you. And, and and a lot of times we internalize those decisions that our that our mother made. So true. And a part of healing for me, I'll just speak for myself, a part of healing was realizing that my mom is a human being. Yeah. She's not always gonna make the best decisions. No. And I had to accept her for who she is and understand what I can and what I can't tolerate as an adult. But I had to let go of that anger. I had to let go of that anger because it's just like, it's taking energy out of me. But see, that's easier said than done, right? Yeah, for sure. That's easier said than done. So I want to dissect that a little Mm -hmm. bit. And I'll use my personal story. And then I would love to hear how you let your anger go. Because for me, I find that I have to continuously forgive. Because there are moments that still trigger me. They may not trigger me. The trigger may not be as potent as, as it was, you know, years ago. Right. But sometimes when I see, like you mentioned earlier, a friend interacting with her mom and it's so pleasant. And she's like, oh, babe, just drop off your laundry. Right. Drop off your laundry. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or whatever the case may be. It's like, dang, I've never had that. And like you said, I will never have that. So that still punctures me a little Mm bit. Um, There are times where my mom calls me and my mom is still dependent on me in certain ways because I've allowed her to be. Um, And she'll call and ask me for something and it's like, dang, I just wish you could take care of yourself. Like, Mm. you know what I'm saying? I really wish whether it was emotionally, financially, whatever, I'm your child. Right. Like, I should be calling you Right. Those feelings still come up for me. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So they come up and I have to take a breath 
and regulate my emotions, as we said right. so many times in this podcast already, implement my boundary. Hey, mom, you know what? I can't do that right now. Right. Here's what I can do. You know, or hey, mom, I really would love to help you, but you got to give me a heads up. Right. You know, I already got a, a schedule. Right. Can you reschedule your doctor's appointment? Or probably can do it on the third or whatever that looks like. You know, and and uh, interacting with my mom in a way where I value my time, I respect my time. So you really don't have a choice but to honor that. And right. if you don't honor that, then you know, right. <laughs> maybe you don't have as much access to me. But for me, letting go of anger is really, and I'm always open to my mom growing and changing. She's been doing a lot of healing lately. And mom, if you're watching this, I'm proud of you. I love you, girl. <laughs> um, but accepting that my mom may never change. Mm. That's but it. that doesn't mean that I don't change. I still have to change. Right. I still have right. to grow and evolve. But my mama may always be the same. Right. And I don't want to be angry. Right. I don't want to be mad at her. And as a matter of fact, because I see how life has molded her into, at times, you know, exhibiting self-destructive behaviors, I want to honor the time that I do have with her. Right. And And that kind of brings me to why I had to well, I won't say I had to, but I chose to let go of the anger is because I want to enjoy the time that I have left. Yeah. My grandma is sick right now, and it just put things into perspective. When, my, when I see my mom, like, taking care of my grandma and my aunties taking care, and just the compassion that they're showing her, regardless of what, you know, happened in the past, they're there for her, you know, taking care of her, and it just put things in perspective. Like you really don't know how much time you have left with people. Yeah. Right. So why am I wasting my time being angry and trying to change somebody? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to accept that this is who my mom is, yes. which allowed me to let go of the anger. Yes. Now I still set my boundaries. Come on. Right. Yeah. Important. I still voice my opinion when I need to voice my opinion, but I'm not going to just sit there and be mad all the time trying to change something that I don't have the power to change. Accept no the things that you can't change. And that's how you're able to, you know, be less angry. That's how you're able to regulate your emotions because let me focus on what I can change and I can change myself. All yeah. day. So that is really what, you know, made me let go of that anger. And I feel like, Right now, me and my mom are in a better place. Yes. Even though she's not exactly who I want her to be, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And, and I'm okay that, you know, to have more conversations with her now. And, yeah, like, life is too short. I don't want to yeah. waste my life being angry all the time. I don't want to waste my life. Well, you know what else I, I think about and I factor in, like, just listening to all of this? I'm extremely proud of my mom as well because... We think about things that we clearly saw as children or whatever, like things that we saw. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that we Come didn't on. see. There's so much that me. we didn't see. Yeah. Whether we randomly got something and we thought it was from grandma, but you don't know your mom probably got that for you. Or a sandwich that probably randomly presented itself at school when you didn't have lunch. You thought it came from somewhere or anything. Like you just never really know. So I think... That's where grace has to come in at. Yeah. Grace. Not even for others, but for yourself. Like, yes. just give yourself grace for the things that you were exposed to, but also the things that you're unaware of. And operating, just wanting to operate in a much lighter life. Like, yes. I don't want to have the weight of my past or the things that 
I may be interpreted or misinterpreted to weigh me down and transcend to other areas of my life. Let's just meet each other where we are, kind of take it from there. I'm still going to have my boundaries. You can have yours as well. You can feel away with me being your child, but still express myself. That's still okay. I'm still going to express myself. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to kind of like take it from there, but just know there's love coming from this. Let's meet each other with love. And if this is a relationship that you truly care about and want to foster, Let's continue to lean into this because I'm not going to negate the way that I actually truly feel. Right. Both of our feelings are valid, but your feelings are more valid because you brought me into this earth. Yeah. It takes a village. You Talk might have brought it. me into this earth, but it took a village for, for us it. to get here. Talk right. So it's just like operating in that space of grace, understanding, compassion, transparency, and just in the realm of just like, let's have the polarity that we all need to grow because resentment doesn't taste well and I think also knowing that my mother's only about like 15 years older than me and still in great health there's people like you said who 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 pass at different times right so just being proud of you know like we're both still here we're so able-bodied let's make the best of this continue to grow but also not negate how you feel negate how I feel shrink how I feel shrink how you feel let's just meet where we are and just kind of Take it from the gift wrapping in grace, grace and love. Grace, that's how that's that's how you let go. It's grace. You got to yeah. give people grace. And um, thank you so much for coming and You're sharing welcome. your story. You're welcome. And I, I was, you know, I'm truly moved by your story. And I, you. I, whatever I could do to help, or maybe I might need to take the course. Whatever it is, I like I want to be involved with what you have going on. Um, can you let our listeners know, like, if they want to join your group? How, how can they do that? Yes. Um, if you would like to join, you can go to wombtoworthy.com. Um, click on programs and you can join AC, ACA. That is the free program. If you would like to become a member, not only do you get the free program, the group coaching and a percentage off the workshops and retreats, but you also come into a beautiful sisterhood. If you have had a tumultuous relationship with your mother, then more than likely the unhealthiness of that relationship transfer over into your work life, into your romantic relationships, into your friendships, in every area of your life. And in this sisterhood, at least for me, um, I'm so grateful for it because I'm learning how to truly be a friend uh, and not just to other people. I'm learning how to be a friend to myself. Mm. Um, I'm also learning like to reprogram some of the things that were implanted in, in me from black women, my mother included, where it's like, oh, I don't deal with females or I don't, you know what I'm saying? That ain't your friend and women are jealous of me and all of that type of stuff. It's not true. It's not true. And you can foster healthy relationships. We have something that is so beautiful that's called a long time together where there is an accountability system in place as we are going through the programs together. We are doing the workbook exercises. A lot is coming up. And if you are an ACA or a person who has the mother wound, you are prone to isolation. We are now going from isolation to solitude right? There's a huge difference. Isolation is when you are avoiding phone calls, you are, you know, 
going down the, the path of depression. You mm-hmm. are ignoring interacting with people. You feel like you are not good enough or you're making excuses as to why you don't want to share your feelings with other people. Oh, you know, they got things going on or I don't want to be a burden or whatever that is. Well, you're not a burden and we want to hear what you have to say and we want to heal with you. So the alone time together, you can either talk about what's on your mind. That can be something that is like, that you're growing through emotionally. You can talk about a business project or y'all can literally have a long time together where you're on Zoom or FaceTime and we're both just in our worlds because I find that when I'm around other people, I tend to be a little more productive. I'm still productive by myself, but Mm -hmm. it's just that energy, you know what I'm saying? Being around like-minded individuals. So there's so much in store for you um, and we would love to be a part of your healing journey and the way that you could be a part of the tribe is, again, going to wombtoworthy at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at wombtoworthy. I also want to recommend something. Um, I don't know if you both have seen this on Netflix but Jenny and Georgia, or Georgia and Jenny. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, my Man, goodness. I wish we had more time so I could Listen. talk about that show. But I was okay. like, that show. Maybe we can Woo. unpack that or collaborate or something yeah, on that. Yeah, we might do a little bonus episode later on that. Because that is sweet. It's a little triggering. It can be a little triggering. Um, but the the messaging in it you are more like your mother than you think. Mm. And sometimes we are resentful and mad at our mothers for things that we have no understanding of. And they tend not to tell us things uh, for our protection, right? And in hindsight, I see why my mom didn't disclose certain things to me because I'm very inquisitive. Um, And at the same time, it's like, we cannot expect their journey to be ours. And we cannot expect them to heal at the rate that we want them to. Mm. Our responsibility is to heal ourselves. So my encouraging words to you to close this out is release yourself from being God in your mom's life. Okay? Stop Ooh. trying to play God in your mom's life. Jesus. And be your own savior. Woo! Right. Well, that is that is a great last word. Um, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram, double underscore what's good with you. This is also going to be on YouTube. Make sure you um, buy our merch to support yeah, the yeah. podcast. And I'm just happy today that I'm able to share a resource um, with people in the L.A. area because I want to do that more on this podcast, not just talk about things, but also offer resources where you can get the healing that you need and this has been another episode of what's good with you thank you for tuning in thanks Thanks for for having me peace bye